Hello and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at providing a platform to promote the excellent work that the political members and officers of local authorities are doing to overcome the increasing challenges facing the communities across the UK. Additionally, we will be promoting the wider way of career opportunities that exist within local government. We hope this podcast will help drive engagement between the public and local authorities across the UK. Hello and welcome back to The Truth About Local Government. Really excited today to talk about ICT. And for a lot of you at home, ICT means turning the laptop on and off. And if it doesn't work, then that is the extent of our uh, ICT knowledge. But there is a huge, huge array and knowledge that required to get best value out of an organisation from an ICT perspective. And today we've got a market leader in Dave Briggs coming on, a, a man that specialises in building digital confidence in local public services. So without further ado, Dave, thank you so much for coming on the public, uh, the Truth About Local Government podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's a real privilege. Thank you. Amazing. So today, guys, this is what we are talking about. We are going to be looking about how strategy, structure and programmes can help deliver cost savings, transformations of processes and fundamentally the best outcomes for consumer and internal stakeholders. So that's quite a, it's quite a big topic, Dave. So let's break that down first. Let's talk about uh, strategy. How does strategy help you deliver cost savings and transformation? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, sure. So, so I think the strategy bit is really, really important. A lot of people, sometimes they sort of uh, poo-poo strategy as kind of being, you know, all this sort of slightly vague blue sky thinking and all of that kind of stuff. Actually, I think it's really, really important for organisations to know where they're going, you know, and that's true of any of the functions that, that any organisation uh, undertakes, really. Uh, but particularly in, in local authorities, and I think, and particularly around sort of the technology space, I think it is massively, massively important just to have an idea of where you're going. Um, because I think sometimes, um, there has been uh, a bit of a, a view that technology doesn't really matter for some reason. You know, in that classic sort of um, three things of, uh, of change, the people, the process and the technology, I think sometimes over the recent years, technology has become something that, uh, that people think perhaps doesn't matter quite so much. And it's certainly not the most important thing, but it is at least quite important. And I think that it's really important for, for organisations at every level, really, of the organisation to have an idea about where it is they want to go, what their uh, direction of travel is, you know, what are the things they want to invest in, what kind of an organisation they want to be. Because if you don't understand all of that, you're never really going to get your technology buying decisions right. You're never going to be able to hire the right people with the right skills to be able to, to do things. And, and as a result of that, um, you're not going to achieve any of the uh, cost savings, for example, that, that, that could come out from sort of technology driven change or indeed some of those, um, you know, customer uh, benefits that come from uh, more digital sort of ways of working and, uh, and, and seizing that kind of opportunity. In a way, you know, technology sometimes and again, please feel free to push back on this, but sometimes I feel that people don't engage with it because they don't truly understand it or understand how to truly optimise the utilisation of it. You know, how much of about getting a strategy in place is about assessing your, your starting points? How do you begin looking at strategy? 
Yeah, so so definitely f- f- figuring out the uh, the starting point, you know, d- doing your discovery, finding out where you are is absolutely vital. Um, there's a great guy uh, called Simon Wardley who does a lot, lot of uh, talking about this stuff. He has uh, he's one of these lucky people that's got sort of a way of working named after him. So there's this thing called Wardley mapping, and and the thing about a map is is that you need to know where you're starting from and where you want to get to because it's all about direction, and and that's absolutely true with this kind of sort of strategic thinking. So, um, you know, ha- what do you do? Well, I think you have to find out you know how it's going so far you know what what is the current state of your, your technology estate that you've got in place um how do your colleagues feel about it how do they feel about the service that they're getting um from the from the um from the technology teams you also need to do some work and do some user research with the people your end users uh, whether they're sort of internal users but most importantly i think with external you know customers residents that kind of thing to find out about you know how do they uh, uh, feel about the way that they when they interact with the council um, online you know is it enabling them to, to achieve the outcomes that they're, that they're seeking to achieve and that kind of thing or are they getting fed up or depressed halfway through and then picking up the phone or, or turning up to the office anyway so there's a huge amount there to, to, to be able to understand you know where you're at before you can start thinking about where you're going to and just to pick up on, on, on your first point I think it is really really important one actually which is that I think this is less the case than it was maybe five years ago but there still are pockets where people seem to wear their uh, ignorance about technology as some kind of badge of honor or or, or or even something that they can laugh about you know in, in front of people and i think that well you probably wouldn't be doing that if you were talking about safeguarding or you know or about <laughs> something like that you know that wouldn't really be acceptable and, and i don't think it's really acceptable to be doing it uh, you know in terms of technology not everybody obviously can be completely au fait with the latest sort of developments and, and all of that kind of stuff or right deep down into the detail and that kind of thing of course they can't but nonetheless you can accept particularly i think senior people in organizations they can accept they've got some agency here they can accept the fact that actually you know if they don't feel like the it stuff is going so great in their organization they they, they absolutely have the power to be able to fix that and to get involved with it and, and and at least understand at the sort of conceptual level what good looks like and uh, and, and, and how they can get there within their organization. It's really honestly, I think IT, I mean, you, you look at what a council does and it is meant there to protect and support the entire community, mm-hmm. but inevitably it, it ends up spending most of its resources and time supporting the most vulnerable. And, you know, in terms of when you look at the kind of um, IT literacy of today versus 10 years ago and compare that to 10 years in the future, there has never been such an importance placed on, I don't necessarily think IT is a communication method, but, you know, the ability to interact with people in their own homes. And you talked earlier about kind of the usability and if people then get frustrated and then just kind of give up on it and then come in person. And I guess I completely agree with you, the prioritization and actually the recognition of its importance is absolutely critical um, because it does touch on, and like most elements, on every single service function in a council. Um, and in, in that way, I suppose, the importance of it can't be understated because if it's doing well, then that has a really positive ripple effect out into the community and internally. But conversely, if there are barriers or if there are kind of frictions in that in the, in the ICT utilization and infrastructure, that again has a negative energy and impact on the internal and external um, stakeholders with that. So I completely, completely agree. And how does that then link into a structure? So you've given yourself a strategy, you know we want to go to, how should a, an IT function, I appreciate it with different sizes, but how do you normally structure an IT function? 
Yeah, so so one of the interesting things is, is around so, so some of this is about sort of culture, uh, some of it's about people, but also quite a bit bit of it is about semantics as well. So it's about what we call things and and, and all that kind of stuff. So obviously a big thing in in the technology world from the, over the last ten years or so has been this word sort of digital, and and there's always always all sorts of you know kerfuffles over what exactly that means, and often quite quite dangerously, uh, you can have organisations in which people are talking about digital and, and meaning very different things so they think they're agreeing with each other when in actual fact they're not and that's always a fairly dangerous place um, to be in terms of structures though what it's about is drawing together you know if you want to if you want to uh, make the most of this opportunity whether it's you know uh, putting in really good IT infrastructure to support the rest of the organization to do what it wants to do if you want to think uh, that's that's kind of like the, the, the basics if you want to take that a little bit further and you want to start offering you know digital services that people actually choose to use uh, then you know you need to take that you know again a, a little bit further but all those things require um the people who are trying to make it happen to have the like the levers to, that they can pull to, to make some of that stuff happen and so um one of the things that, that's come up is you know where, where does your digital team by which a lot of the time people mean their web team and the people that do the, the online stuff how do they fit uh, alongside like your more traditional IT folk and things like that and so from my experience I would say they definitely sit together right you, you want to have all those people together and and, and there's a there's a number of different reasons for that one is is that they can often uh, if they if they those two groups of people get out of alignment then it can cause all sorts of friction and all sorts of just horribleness and, and stuff just kind of stops working but I think also we have to take a look at the fact that for almost all councils, you know, uh, their financial constraints or that kind of thing, capacity is always going to be limited. So the greater the pool of people that you've got together means that you can manage your resources, you can shuffle people around as you need to. And one of the things that we're seeing uh, from uh, sort of tech developments is that a lot of as we move to cloud, um, as we move away from on-premise infrastructure and things like that, um, the way in which we manage that core technology infrastructure is changing over time. You know, it's not happening really fast, but you know, it is it is happening. And so what that then does is, is that some of those people that were, you know, uh, uh, keeping those servers fed and watered and, and all of that kind of stuff all that time, actually their roles are going to be changing, they're going to be adapting. They may well find themselves being drawn over to, if you like, the, the digital side of, um, you know, uh, uh, configuring online services for people and that kind of thing. So bringing everybody together uh, is really, really important because once you've set that vision, which says, we're going to invest in these technologies. We're going to sort of achieve these outcomes. This is going to be our approach to doing um, our online services. You can then figure out from that, well, in two, three, four, five years time, what are the skills that we're going to need within the organisation? You know, what, where are we going to require the most people to be available to us to, 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 to work on, on these things? And you can start to figure that kind of thing out because a lot of the time, I think particularly uh, when you see people that they're out sort of recruiting or they're thinking about what sort of roles they want to have in, the, in their organisation, they might see some of the more sort of modern sounding uh, digital type uh, roles like, I don't know, product managers or service designers and things like that, which, you know, are great if your strategy is saying that you're going to move towards uh, uh, sort of uh, d developing and managing your own digital products and things like that. Whereas if, if you're not going to have any products, you're probably not going to need any product managers, which is why it's always really, really important to know what your vision is and where you want to go to before you then start sort of thinking about those structures. 
In terms of, I mean, we talked there about skill sets and, and kind of the transferring over the line with the vision. How easy is it? And again, this is someone with absolutely no IT knowledge. Um, you know, the computer normally wins in all kind of arguments with myself. Sure. How easy is it to kind of to to have that agility to move people around an IT and digital team to do different roles? Are people quite specialists and they'll just do the front end stuff around how it looks to the user? Or how 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 difficult is it to move resources around a team? I mean, as, as always with, with a lot of these questions, it, it depends, you know, because it, it's, it's human beings that we're talking to and, and they're also um, annoyingly different. Um, but uh, what would I say? I I think that, that, that you're all, one can always be surprised at how adaptable people can be. Yes, there are always going to be some folk who are utterly kind of dyed in the wool. They've been doing a very similar role for the last 25 years and, and they don't particularly want to change, you know, and, and that that's fine. They're specialists. That's absolutely fine. But what we are increasingly finding, I think, is that actually, particularly in smaller organisations, smaller councils, where um, you just don't have the size of team that enables you to uh, have specialists, really, really specialised people, that actually what you find is, is that there are a huge number of folk who have got skills that can be transferred across, you know, a different number um, of roles. And so what you end up finding is that there are people who perhaps previously were like, database wranglers or something like that. I don't think that's the actual official title, but that's what they did. Uh, you, can, you can take people like that and actually they're pretty adept at um, putting those skills to developing, you know, low code applications and, and putting together online services, you know, putting forms together, storing that information, running it through a workflow, doing some, some of that kind of stuff on it. So actually, and then we've got people in their sort of more sort of softer skills uh, uh, environment where you've got people who perhaps previously traditional role like business analyst or something like that quite often in a lot of cases those people can be really really good user researchers or they can be absolutely fantastic product managers and, and things like that so you, you can do an awful lot with people just to you know when you introduce them to the new ways of working uh, whether they're technical or non-technical there's often a way in which they can sort of take their skills and their experience adapt it into this sort of new world new world new ways of working now, Dave, there's not many people out there on the market with your level of expertise and who I would argue has the, the range of experience, not just in the work that you've done, but with the size of organisation you've worked with. You know, you've worked with, and again, I'm not going to name all the councils because we'd be here until uh, well into next week. But, um, you know, you've worked with districts, you've worked with county, you've worked with borough, um, you know, metropolitan, London based organisations. You know, do you find that the problems that exist are the same problems that tend to kind of crawl up time and time again or do you find that different sized organizations tend to need a, a different uh, kind of solution based on their size i think uh, generally speaking the core problems are exactly the same generally speaking you know i, I think that no matter what what size of organization you work in local councils uh, you know local government as a sector it pretty much shares the same problem which is that demand's going up cash is going down and, th and, that, and that's true of, of, of absolutely everywhere there's also other related problems, which is often that councils are pretty traditionally run organisations for all sorts of really, really good reasons, but nonetheless that, that they are. Culture change is therefore really, really difficult. Um, and, and also um, things have been sort of done, work has been done in the same way uh, as, it, as it currently is for, for quite a long time. So again, that kind of change resistance is often quite a bit of a, a similar thing. 
The other side of it, though, is, is also true. So uh, councils, generally speaking, the one thing, some of the things they have in common is that they usually have an incredibly dedicated workforce who, who are there for the, the love of it rather than the money. It's probably fair to say, you know, they're people that care very deeply about their, their local place and, and the services that they provide, you know, and that's a huge you know, advantage for, for, for any organisation. Um, but in terms of the, some of the, the problems that different size councils have, Certainly with smaller councils, sometimes you'll find uh, smaller councils with like IT and digital teams that have got like 10 people in them or, or something like that. So and, that, and their to do lists are just far, far too big uh, for them to be able to sort of to, to deal with. So that, that, that their problem is that, you know, there's just too much work um, for, for them to be able to do. And sometimes when you see um, efforts to set like standards and things like that around um, what's going on in local gov with, with digital and, and technology. You know, local digital declaration is a, is a great example of that. It sets an absolutely brilliant gold standard for what councils ought to be able to do. But nonetheless, for some of these smaller organisations, you just can't help but think that, you know, this this is almost impossible for them to be to be able to achieve given the, the resources that they that they have available to them. But the thing is, is that strangely, the, the the same thing is also true of much larger larger councils when you work with them. You know, the issues are still often the same, which is that um, uh, it's really difficult to prioritise work. You know, there's too much coming in uh, for the team to be able to do that difficulty around uh, sort of juggling between stuff around like keeping the lights on and then focusing on the, the stuff around making things a lot better or doing things radically different. You know, that's always a, a real challenge for, for, for organisations and it doesn't seem to matter how many people you have in your team uh, or, or how big your budget is that those problems always seem to be always seem to be there. Um, which is why I think in terms of how do we uh, change that? I mentioned earlier that, that councils are, are pretty traditional in the way that they, they like to do their work. And so when we, in terms of when we get to like putting programmes together, actually doing the work, making things happen, it's that's the space where I think perhaps things have to have to be changed up, you know, a little bit in terms of um, how we prioritise what we're doing, how kind of ruthless sometimes we are about some of that kind of stuff, but also the way in which work is actually done. So, you know, oftentimes there is a focus on a sort of gold plating stuff, you know, councils produce uh, specifications of stuff that a particular digital service or an IT system has to be able to do and they, they you know, they want 100% of this thing being met, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. Whereas actually, do you really need all of that stuff? You know, is there a way that we could get this done quicker, cheaper, and that kind of thing by um, making some compromises here or there? You know, it's, it's in that, that sort of a space, I think, where the answers for councils, both large and small, pro probably lie. That's really interesting. And then I guess, you know, without that kind of this trial pipe uh, kind of agenda we had today, how do programmes sit into the cost savings and transformations? Yeah, so so this is really interesting around programmes. And again, this comes down to perhaps one of the slightly more unique things about local government as a sector, which is like if you want to ch fund change work, it tends to be done on a business case kind of basis. It tends to come out of capital funding, you know, the way that you fund your work, it tends to be that way. Um, and that means you do a business case and that means it's generally speaking going to be on an investor save kind of basis. And this is where we start running into trouble because um, an awful lot of sort of digital or, or technology driven change work 
yes it can generate savings but those savings are very very rarely in the um the it or the digital team's budget themselves it's coming out of somebody else's budget and this is a uh, this is this causes quite a lot of friction um i think because um for instance if you decide to do some big digital transformation work in in waste services for example you know it's often one that people like to like to pick um you know if that happens and if you do that the, the savings that will be resulting from that will have to be taken out of the waste budget because that's the service that's being uh, transformed so you get this sort of uh, uh problem uh oftentimes whereby um you know somebody's being made to make some savings off the back of this digital work but the trouble is, is that quite often that person running that waste service, they've also got their own savings targets to meet. So what they're actually being asked to do is to be to to, to make even more people redundant, or to you know to to, to not fill even more vacancies, or, or however that they're doing it, and that can cause cause problems. So I think one one of the first things that needs to be uh, you know when putting together like programs of work and things like that for digital and technology teams has to be a view on. Uh, how are we funding this, you know, and how is that going to wash its face? And, you know, it's 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 a difficult conversation to have with the bean counters sometimes, but I think that the nature of the conversation really needs to be around. Um, there are savings that are going to have to be made anyway, regardless, you know, of whether we do this digital stuff or not. Now, you can either do make those savings in a way that's going to utterly break that service or, you know, or, or, or make the, the um, customer experience so poor that, um, you know, it's, it's going to cause, you know, anguish and that kind of thing. Or you can fund, you know, a, properly fund a decent technology and digital team that can work with that those services that need to make those changes and make those savings to do so in a way that is sustainable and maintains a reasonable level of customer uh, sort of satisfaction and, and and that kind of thing so so actually you know they're, they're not new savings driven by this work but they are they do make the savings you're going to make either more likely to happen or at the very least you know not going to uh, actually break the council or, or its services in, in the process of doing so so the funding thing i think is really really important i think i think the other bit around uh, sort of programs of work is you know what one of the new ways of working that's come in with uh, with, with kind of like the digital mindset um, is around uh, sort of the more agile methods of delivering. So this means that rather than, as mentioned earlier, rather than producing giant specifications and then the IT guys go away and sit in a room for two years and then they come out with this thing that they've made um, and, and then everybody finds out, oh, no, no, that's not what we meant, you know, or it doesn't work or something like that. You know, in agile, you, you, you build the smallest thing you possibly can that's going to add some kind of value, that's going to make something better for people. You get that released, you release it quick and you release it early and you get real people using it. So you find out, does it work or not? Were, were the assumptions that we made behind this correct or not? Um, you know, shall we, can we refine this? Can we make it better or is it pretty good? And then we can move on to the next thing and then you can sort of progress your way through it that way. So it removes the risk. Um, it also, it can make things cheaper. But it also means that if you're going to fail, you fail early and you fail with as little damage being done as possible. So I think just in just in those two things around sort of delivering programs, you know, uh, get your funding conversations right, get your um, uh, agreement in place around how savings are going to be achieved and all of that kind of thing, get that sorted and then take on a slightly more agile approach to actually sort of um, delivering the work and seeing the benefits and that kind of thing would, would make a huge difference to an awful lot of councils. It's interesting, isn't it? When you look at those elements together, it's about risk management and communication. And 
you know, uh, sustainability because, you know, like a lot of these things, it's like that if you invest into ICT and digital, then the opportunity to make savings are there, but in a sustainable method. And and also, again, about just I, I really, really like the agile use that, you know, get it done, get it done quick and, and, and let's see it being utilized and people buy into that. The momentum starts to grow. I mean, we talk about momentum, we talk about kind of developing the next generation as, alongside uh, your interim work. You know, you're also a chair of governors um, or you were previously a chair of governors. And in terms of, you know, one of the things that I find absolutely fascinating is when they talk about creating skilled workers uh, so that in, in an area in the community so that, you know, uh, uh, employers have that skill set available to them. How much do you think, you know, uh, do, do, do you think that that's something that's going well at the moment, at the moment in the UK, in terms of that next generation's involvement and engagement and education of ICT from what you've seen? Um, you know, because in some sectors like property and legal, we've got this absolutely where people, not a lot of people are going into those sectors. So you have this kind of time bomb where people are going to retire and there'll be a gap. Um, you know, for ICT, do you see that's a problem? Or do you see that, you know, most people are kind of actively engaging with uh, mm. kind of, uh, online i think that's really that's that's a really really interesting question actually uh, and while you're talking i was just trying to marshal some fairly coherent thoughts on it we'll, we'll see now if i've managed it or not um what do i think i i don't I, so i think across technology sector as a whole i don't think we're probably going to face one of those sort of cliff edges like like you were just describing in, in in some other sectors i think technology as a whole is probably okay um, you know, 10 years ago or more, we saw that huge interest in, in coding in particular um, and, uh, you know, teaching kids to code and get, getting people to do all that kind of stuff, which is fantastic. There will have been lots of people uh, learning about computers, even if they didn't become developers as a result of it. There'll be a lot of people that know more about computers now than they did before, which I think is, is, is great. I think that though, where there could be a problem, uh, is specific to, to local councils, actually, um, whereby um, some of the roles within, particularly within technology, more traditional technology roles within councils uh, are going to be very, very difficult to uh, recruit to, I think, in future. And there's a couple of reasons for that. I think one is that it's, well, it's going to be a classic one, uh, you know, that, that won't be news to any recruiter salaries, right, well, is going to be a problem. And, and I'd say that that's a problem for particularly those roles that are slightly more generic. So they're roles that you could find in any organisation. Uh, so things around networks, around security, things like infrastructure, that kind of thing, particularly as we're getting more into like cloud infrastructure and that kind of thing, those skills are going to be really sought for. It's debatable whether councils will ever be able to, you know, match market rates, for that kind of thing. But there's another area of, uh, within that sort of traditional IT sphere within councils, which is those teams and those people that look after the, the line of business applications. Um, and so this is an area really where local government differs quite significantly from, from, from other bits of the public sector, which is that we're pretty reliant on you know, commercial off the shelf software. Uh, so, for instance, you know, the planning system, the social care system, the housing system, the revs and bends system, all these big, big, huge line of business systems. Now, there are teams of people in councils that, that look after those things and manage them and look after them and upgrade them and support the users and all that kind of stuff. But it's very, very niche stuff, very niche stuff. You know, you're never going to have kids being taught uh, in, in sixth form or on computer science degree courses, you know, how to uh, how, how to uh, keep the 
you know, a, a planning system up and running or, 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 you know, that kind of thing. You know, it's super, super niche. So how do you attract people into the into those kind of roles, you know? And I think that um, so, so I think that's going to that's going to be a problem because quite often the age profile, not everybody, of course, we're generalizing here, but the age profile of a lot of the folk working in those teams at the moment is they do uh, towards being on the older side. Um, you know, so, so that could well be could well be an issue uh, coming up there in terms of what the answer to that is. I think it has to be about apprenticeships and it has to be about getting, you know, young people in early, perhaps before they've made the decision about exactly what it is that they want to do. You know, whether they want to take a technical route or a non-technical route within the IT and digital space, get them in early before they've made any decisions. Let them try a few things, you know, over the space of a couple of years and that kind of stuff. Let them figure out, you know, what their path is going to be and just kind of be. And also, I think, be perfectly OK with the fact that in three or five years, they're probably going to leave to go and work for a bank or to go and work for a startup or to go and go and do something slightly more exciting with their lives. But just keep that almost that conveyor belt of new talent coming in via apprenticeship schemes and things like that. I think that has to be the answer for, for, for local councils. Because the thing is about apprenticeships, and I, I'm also very passionate about them as well as, yes, people will leave, but they might also come back and they're going to talk mm. to their peers about it. And it's just a way to give people a way in because, you know, how many people genuinely like who are, you know, at apprenticeship level age have any idea of the opportunities that exist within um you know local government. i was looking at your start as an analyst you know and, and the work in shropshire and and you know you've your your rise to a you know to the the chief digital officer astronomic but it, doesn't, it, make, it makes complete sense because i mean you bucked the trend of the it crowd you're so articulate dave you really are and it, your passion comes through and i think it's just so wonderful to see that and um i thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you about this um so thank you so much for your time no, no, not at all. And, and thank you for your, uh, your your very kind words. I'll uh, I'll, I'll make a note of them uh, next time I'm uh, having a suffering a crisis of confidence. That's uh, that's really kind. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> part time podcaster, part time cheerleader. Uh, it's all part <laughs> of the show. But um, but no, today. So we've been talking to to Dave Briggs, uh, interim uh, chief digital officer, who's worked across a, a number of organisations in the UK within local governments. Um, also. Uh, on the side, Dave also creates software to help with training within local government, which I'm sure if you reach out directly, if you are listening to this in the council, Dave can um, talk to you about that in more detail. But we've been talking today about how strategy, structure and programmes can help deliver cost savings and transformation processes um, to deliver the best outcomes for consumer initial stakeholders. This has been the Truth About Local Government podcast. Thank you for listening. Give us a like, give us a share and have a great day. You have been listening to the Truth About Local Government podcast. Remember, your local council does some amazing work, but you can help. So remember to vote and be engaged with the work they're doing. If you like this podcast, please like, share and give a five-star review. If you would like to feature on the podcast, have any shout-out of excellent work being done by a local authority, or have any topics you would like covered, please email me at truth about local government at gmail.com truth about local government local government is at the heart of what we do